What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. You can be unstoppable too. Go get that Rocket Fuel book, Convert Setbacks, Become Unstoppable with the forward written by none other than Grant Cardone himself. Talks about in that forward what Rocket Fuel has meant to him and his life and his business. Go get that book now, MikeCRock.com forward slash book, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. And guys, today, first of all, before I introduce our guest, I want to also say thank you for all the support that you've given me, my podcast, the book everything that we've been doing here. I love you guys. I appreciate you and just much gratitude to all of you. So today I have my boy, none other than Zach Babcock on the show. Uh, I was on his show recently. I met him on Clubhouse. Good dude. And I wanted to bring him on to share his story and tell us what he's made of. From over five years in prison to scaling a multi-six-figure business, Zach helps entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize dominant brands with top-rated podcasts. He has been featured in over 200 shows and has interviewed over 200 celebrity and alpha entrepreneurs on Underdog Empowerment, a top-rated podcast on Apple. Zach, welcome to the What Are You Made Of show. Mike, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Hey, so I didn't mention this, though. We did the first podcast interview on Clubhouse. Yeah, that was that, right? I was getting ready yeah, to drop yeah, that. Yeah. First ever. Yeah, so... Yeah, so that was the first ever, and we didn't know what the hell we were doing on the clubhouse <laughs> thing. We just kind of winged it or wung it, however you say it. But uh, it was cool, man. But but uh, so I'm bringing you onto the show, and we have a tradition here of asking our guests to start the show. What are you made of? Yeah, man, dude, I'm made of whatever it takes. Whatever yeah, it takes, like man. That. Excellence. I like that. Whatever it takes. I like that. Whatever it takes, right? But what is it to you? Yeah, man. So it. That's a great question. You got to define what it is. Or so I've been doing this a lot lately. I've been journaling, like, can I have it all? And then the follow-up question is, what does all mean to me? And so I'm just getting really clear on my identity in each role I have, my spiritualness, my health, my relationship with my wife as a father, as a friend, a business owner, an investor, just get really clear on that. And then that's, you know, what do I want in each one? And that's what all means to me. And so I feel like too many people don't understand what all means to them. They're trying to live what all means to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, if you generalize, your mind doesn't know what generalizations are. So you're mm. still in the same fog, blur, chaos that you were when you started. So yeah, yeah. you got to get granular and specific. I love that. So take us back, dude. Take us back. Because look, everybody's got a story, but yours is pretty interesting. So what's your story, man? Yeah, dude. I'll keep it super short. Cliff Notes version. If you want to go deeper, we can. I uh, did over five years of my life in prison for being a knucklehead and not having any chief aim in life. And then I ended up doing four years flat the first time, got out for two years and went back just 20 days before my twin sons were born. Uh, and that was, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. In that moment, I decided to own the rest of my life. I got out eight months later, uh, became an entrepreneur because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. I uh, got laughed at for the next three and a half years. And then I launched Underdog Empowerment. 
the podcast, it blew up, got ranked on day three, started interviewing rock stars the following week, like Billy Jean is marketing. It's been a whole slew, including yourself since then. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went on to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars from the podcast and been able to interview a lot of cool people and I help people do the same thing now. And, uh, you know, now I'm just uh, all in on life, man, and going to the next level. Yeah. So how did you get ranked in three days? Dude. Super simple. <laughs> I got a bunch of people to leave me a written review on Apple in a short period of time so I can juice it in the rankings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smart, smart. So let's go back for a little ways here. So how the hell did you end up in prison? Yeah, dude. Like, well, but, but you know what? Take us back further. Like, why were you a knucklehead? Like, what? what now, you got to take ownership because I'm not going to let you not take ownership and it's responsibility, but I know you know that already. But take us back and what was put into you? What ingredients were put into Zach back in the day that caused you to be a knucklehead? Dude, I wanted to fit in so bad uh, as a kid. I mean, we all do. We all want to fit in. That's a natural human, you know, it's behavior, you know, our natural human behavior. But I guess I might have wanted to fit in more than, than your average kid. And so I just wanted to be accepted so much so to where it was unhealthy. And I would do shit that was out of my character just to be accepted. And that was a total limiting belief that I had growing up. You know, like I said, I take full ownership of everything in life. Uh, I had an amazing mother. Dude, I couldn't have had a better mother, man. She poured into me, you know, spoiled me affectionately, not materialistically, but affectionately, like built up my confidence when I didn't have confidence in myself, was there through me through all the bullshit that I put her through. Um, I didn't have a father figure. He died when I was seven and my mother never, never remarried. And I guess that might have been, that might have played a little role in me wanting to be accepted by other people. I didn't, I don't know. So that's stuff that I'm still, I, I still journal on that shit today. Because I know there's some stones in my childhood that are left unturned that I'm, you know, working through. Yeah, 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 I'm sure, man. So then what happened? Like, what, what did you get arrested for? Yeah, dude. The exact charges are stealing of a motor vehicle, assault on a law enforcement officer, escape from custody, and two count, or, uh, first degree burglary. Just being a knucklehead. We went out. We were 17 years old, dude. We didn't even need to steal. It wasn't like we were poor or anything. We were just bored, dumb teenagers and went out to a rich part of the neighborhood you know, I grew up in, in Ferguson, Missouri. It's not a rich neighborhood, but we went to the rich neighborhoods and we're stealing from cars and some people would leave their garage door opener. So we'd open it and then go drive off, hit off, hit up other shit. And then we'd come back if the door was still open and take power tools or whatever. Nothing that we didn't even need, but we were just being dumb. Yeah. 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 And so then you, then you went to jail and then you got back in jail. What'd you do to get back in there? Yeah. So, you know, I did four and a half years. The first time a lot of shit happened during that time I got out became a, a bar back at a, at a bar and grill. It was one of the only few jobs I could land because it was under the table. And then I, I got a job at this clothing store, right? And I got a promotion on my third day, sold 3,000 whole store, did 9,000. And I was only there for six hours. And then I got the promotion, but that raised a red flag. And they're like, oh, this dude's a convicted felon. And so I put in my two weeks at the bar and grill. And I go back to work and I'm all excited, pumped up. Like, yeah, dude, I'm moving forward. You know, I'm putting my past behind me. And then they're like, yeah, dude, you're a convicted felon. You know, even though you kicked ass in sales, you got to kick rocks. And so in that moment, instead of owning everything, I chose to throw a pity party and feel sorry for myself. And I became a raging alcoholic for the next nine months before I got locked up. And, uh, you know, I, I, dude, I got a DWI is what actually led back to it. But I woke up literally 20 days before my twin sons were born. And I was like, man, fuck this. Mm, mm. Wow. So what, and what, what I got to ask these kind of questions because they're just on my mind. I ask whatever comes to my mind, by the way. So I don't have a filter, but what was it like in the five years that you were in there? Like, what is it like? Is it like going to a place that's like a super strict boys summer camp kind of thing? Or 
what is it like? I've never been in there, obviously. So uh, can you, yeah, can you describe it? Yeah, for sure, dude. So um, it's not like the TV that you see, shit you see on TV. There's a lot of s- stuff that does happen that you see on TV, but it's not like it, it's not that. But it's in a regular prison camp. It's psychological warfare 24-7. Like you got the most cons of the cons inside there. And then you also got some good people in there, too. But it's literally like that. I literally put up my five years in prison against any psychology degree, PhD, whatever you name it, any day, without a doubt, uh, just because of the real life experience that I had to do every day. But um, you got you got things like treatment, right, where you go for 120 days, and that's like the boot camp style, super disciplined stuff. And then you have regular camps where you tend to go there, you know, anywhere from like six months to years upon years in prison, whatever in that range. And those are more laid back. There's not like, you don't have to wake up at a certain time, make your bed and all this stuff because it depends on the level you're at. But, you know, if you're a solid dude, you know, and like you're not going to be, for example, like we called them Vikings, the people that real dirty that didn't make their bed and left their dirty clothes on the Mm -hmm. floor and stuff like, no, I wouldn't have a cellmate like that because I don't want, you know, you need to respect the area that you're in and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And then then from there, after being locked up like that and then the first, like, obviously, do you know you're getting out? Like, how far in advance do you know you're getting out? Dude, it, How's that there, you never know. And so there's been times where you go see the parole board. I'm like, okay, you're going home in two weeks. And then there's other people that go see the parole board. I'm like, okay, you're going home in seven years. So it, it's totally situational, depending on your cases, how many years you got sentenced to, and then your behavior in there. Because if you're, you have bad behavior, they'll push off your parole hearing. And so it, it totally matters on... So what happened? What happened with you? How did that? How, how did that work? The first yeah, time? I went and seen the board after three, after two and a half years of being locked up, and then I got the date. You know, four years total after I seen the board, but it, I didn't get to go see the board because I got a seven year sentence, a class B felony, and so and I was I wouldn't even be eligible for parole until it. And it was two years and four months exactly. It wasn't two and a half. Gotcha. Years. Yeah. And then, and then, so you, would you just count the days, count them off? Like, how did you stay sane? Like, how does that? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did at first. And then you just like, then it's, it's weird, man. You, 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 it, some people become into institutionalized. I didn't, I didn't, I never became institutionalized because I kept my, my sanity and my, my freedom of thought and my, my, cho- you know, how I choose to respond to shit. But I stopped counting days and I was like, Hey, I'm here. I'm not going to focus on shit out there. I'm here right now. And so I'm just going to do my time right now and just focus on my daily disciplines in there. And I wasn't into self-development or none of that shit in there. I was just focused on, I didn't even under, I didn't even know what self-help or self-improvement was then, but uh, I was just focused on, it's crazy how, is it cool if I tell you a quick story? Yeah, yeah, no, go dude. I'm, yeah. It's crazy how much vision plays a factor. And obviously you got to take the action, but how important vision is, dude, because like I, so it, and it's played out multiple times throughout my life, but for prison, for example, I went away, you know, when I was 19 years old and I wasn't into like, you know, improving my life at the time, I was still trying to fit in and be the bad boy, whatever you want to call that bullshit. But my vision was like, when I, when I accepted the fact, like, okay, I'm going to be going away for a couple of years. My vision was I'm going to come out tatted up and, and, and chiseled and all that stuff. I'm going to come out like rock solid and fucking show back up in my old neighborhood and shit or mm-hmm. something. That's exactly what happened. Like I came out tatted up in physical shape, like amazing. But that was like as far as my vision went back then. Right, right, right. And then so when you get out, 
like leading up to that and then you get out what's it like that first day first week first month like when you get out the first time so so i got out twice the yeah. first time was a fucking trip dude because dude i went away in 08 in the beginning of 08 and you know the the iphone had just came out a few months before that but i'd never even seen an iphone so i went away in 08 and it was still cool to wear baggy pants like 44 waist and i went okay. that stupid shit and so I go away for four years and then I come out and then being able to adjust back into society where, you know, inside a prison, nobody walks around smiling or just getting into any people's business, you know, and outside people are walking around smiling. People might say hello or whatever. In prison, you, you don't walk around with a smile on your face and you don't say hi to people. You just mind your own business and stuff. And so it was a cultural shock to me coming back home. I went to Target the first day because my mom picked me up. And brought one of my old pair of clothes. And so it was a 44 waist. And I'm first thing I said, I was like, I said, I said, Mom, I swear I'm not trying to freeload off you, but can you please take me to Target and we get a pair of pants that fit? And she <laughs> laughed and and she uh and she did. And dude, we went into Target, dude. And I had this anxiety, literally anxiety tag. And I never had those in my life, but I was like freaking out because everybody's smiling and like you could talk to women. Like we didn't talk to women. I was around with dudes for the last four and a half years. And so it was like it was freaking me out, dude. And I had to tell her, like, give me the keys. I'm going to go in the car and stuff. And I'm trying to leave. And you know how you got the doors that you walk through and the doors that you exit and the middle doors are for the carts. Yeah. Well, well, there wasn't any carts, but there were still doors. And like, so I tried going through the middle door. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCROC.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. And it went open and I started freaking out. Like they, they think I'm stealing. They're about to lock me up. Right, right. It was oh, crazy. Yeah, man. That's yeah. wild. That's wild. So, so now you got out, man. And, and, and how old were your kids when you got out the second time? Yeah. So that was the first time. Second time though, they were eight months old. So I, yeah, I, so, yeah I, the second time. Yep. Yeah. Now, when I got the second time, I only went away, went away for eight months when I first got locked up, I didn't know how long they were going to keep me because I, I had to see the board again. So I knew I was going to do either six months or a year and a half because that's how long I had left on my parole till I, till I was done with my sentence. And so I didn't, I didn't know, but they ended up giving me an eight month setback. And so I came home and they're eight months, uh, eight months old. And what was that like coming back and being able to hold them and man, spend time with them? Like I just, damn, I can't even imagine that. Dude, yeah. so when they were born, it, it took about a good month before I even knew what they looked like. So I was in my cell. And, you know, when you first go back to prison, you go to a diagnostic center to where they decide what camp you're going to go to. They assess your level, your security level and all that. And diagnostic centers are locked down 24 hours, or 23 hours. You get an hour out a day and that's to take a shower and that's it. But uh, so I was in a cell just trying to imagine what my kid, if they looked like me or not, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. But I got to see them the first time at the diagnostic center through the glass on the phone. And then the first time I got to hold them was in uh, when I got to my next camp. But that was, it was, it was amazing being able to hold them. But it made yeah. that eight months felt 10 times longer than that four and a half years that I did prior. Really? Oh, yeah, man. Shit. So then you got out. Then what switched in you to, to keep yourself on straight, on straight and narrow? Was it the kids and making sure you, you had a commitment to them and being their father now? Is that what like really flipped the switch for you? Yeah, it was the identity of that. So it happened that that happened though the moment I woke up in jail from a from a blackout drunk from the night before, and I woke up in jail. And I'm like, 
oh shit, I'm going to prison. I'm going back to prison. This is 20 days before my kids were born. Even how painful that was though, that was the moment I was like, this isn't who I am. I'm a good father. I'm a good human being. I don't give a fuck what it takes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever time I got to do and I'm going to get back home and I'm going to be a responsible father and be happy and successful. I don't even know what that looks like, but I know happy and successful to me is being a good dad. And yeah. so that was it. Yeah. And then, and then how long until you started the podcast? Three and a half years after I got out. Okay. So you would did some other things, some, some other uh, businesses and what have you, and, and then started this. Yeah. A lot of failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, there's a lot of lessons too. I mean, I see, I don't, I don't call them failures. I call them like your training, like you're going to college, yeah. you know what I mean? Like all the stuff that I've ever done, I use as fuel and training sessions. It's not anything else than that, other than that. I mean, like some people go to college and they learn and become a doctor and some people just do what we do and we just keep trying shit and we're learning as we do it. And it's our, it's our resume. Uh, like it's, it's, it's our, uh, our college. Right. So then you got into this and then, and then, so with the podcast, let's talk about the podcast and all that. So you launched your podcast and then how did you know to like get people to do ratings and all that? Did you have a mentor or did you like, where, where'd you get that from? No. So I had a friend that I interviewed on the podcast and he said, Hey man, if you get a bunch of written reviews in a short period of time, you can get ranked on Apple. And I'm like, really? And so I started DMing people and I had had past experience in network marketing. And so one of the great lessons that I learned in network marketing is how not to approach people in the DMs. You actually build a relationship with someone yeah. and, and yeah. don't try and skip those steps. So I use you know, the, that and I just would talk to people in the DMs and I developed a process, a script, a pitch. It's really super simple, honestly, that I was able to repeat and just get a bunch of written reviews in a short period of time. And so I did it. And then the next day I was ranked and I was like, holy shit, this works. Right. And that was like the biggest piece of success that I've had to that point. And so I just started going hard on it. And then how did you get guests? Like as far as like bigger name guests, like what did you do? Like, why did you think that you could do that right away kind of thing? Or I know the answer on this too, by the way, but I just want to hear your, your take on it. Yeah, dude. Well, it, it was crazy because before the podcast, for the past three and a half years, I dealt with people laughing at me. Anytime I tried to reach out to anybody, even up and coming entrepreneurs that weren't super well known to try to collaborate, nobody took me seriously. And I, you know, I was pissed off because that was a huge reason why I launched the podcast. But as soon as I got ranked, I reached out to Billy Gina's marketing. I was like, yo, bro, I just got my podcast ranked. It's exploding. I'd love to have you come on my show. You're a perfect fit. And he literally replied his email, his uh, assistant's email. And then the next message was, she got my schedule. I emailed her, got us up the following week, had Billie Jean is on. So I literally went from people laughing at me, not taking me seriously to having Billie Jean on. And then it's just been a crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then the confidence from that, right? Like, it's like, oh shit, this works. I got this. I could do this. And then little bit by little bit, you're raising the floor. You never go back. You never go back down once you raise your floor. And then you're busting through these glass ceilings, right? And then you just... The confidence is what it takes, dude. Like you get that confidence. It's like an infusion. That's the rocket fuel. You get that infusion and you're good, man. And so the thing about like when people told me no, when I asked them to come on my show or if I could go on their show or whatever, if they told me no, like I look for that shit. Like, I, mm. please say no, please say no. Cause I'll make it so that you beg me to come on your show later on. You know, that's yeah. the kind of things that I would think to myself because that's, a, that's what I do, man. Like that's what I convert rocket fuel. I need fuel like that. That's what keeps me moving. So did you ever have a, a scenario like that, that you, like a story that you asked somebody to come on and they said no, or they said, what, what, you know, anything like that, like how many downloads you have and you just didn't have the answer for them? Yeah, dude. All the time. I do. I love that. That's a, that's a, that's an underdog mentality. I like to call or whatever bit. Uh, yeah. Dude, that's that external motivation. Some people say, Oh, you got some work to do. And yeah. Okay. You're maybe you're right. But it guess what it's working for me. And, and I look at, 
you know, if, if that's what I want in my life, that's what I want in my life. But, you know, Michael Jordan, he continued to find external motivation long after he was alpha dog. He would make shit up just to find external motivation, dude. I have all the internal motivation there already. That's first and foremost, but I love tapping in that extra rocket fuel. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. It takes you to the next little, so there's some people, I'm not going to say any names, but there's certain people that said no to me and I got, I got done already, but, but, but like, I, I want to get to, there's certain people out there that I want to get to a certain point. And then they asked me to come on and I'm gonna be like, I'll, I'll save the email. <laughs> like, Hey dude, sorry, man. Hey, you had your chance, pal. But no, I, I get along with everybody. It's not like that. It's just more for internal and external. It's like whatever you want to call. It. I don't know, but it's just get me propelled, dude. Thrust is a must. Yeah, you know, I say that. So you know, that's the thing. So now, how do you make money with your podcast? Yeah. So me specifically, I know there's a bunch of different ways to do it. My favorite way, personally, I do affiliate income, but most of my income from the podcast comes indirectly. So what I do is I just kick ass with the podcast. I haven't even, dude, all of 2020. And nothing yet of 2021. I haven't put out any offers on my podcast. I'm just creating a kick-ass show. I've been jabbing for a year and a half, almost, or a year and a quarter straight now, just jabbing. No offers, nothing. And I just kick-ass with it. I interview really cool-ass people. I fucking continue to grow the downloads numbers, and I just put out a good show. And then I demonstrate that on my other social media platforms, and then I'll put offers out on those other social media platforms. So I monetize indirectly. Uh, and also get you know paid speaking gigs you know from having the podcast. I guess you can call that directly, but um, but that's my favorite way. I also do a lot of affiliate income, like you know you got Evergreen Podcasts, you know, and so you know I'm still getting paid off of episodes that I did back in 2018 where I mentioned affiliate product and then people buy from it or whatnot. Right. So you know there's some residuals there, but yeah, there's a bunch of different ways to actually monetize it. Yeah. And so somebody's listening and has a podcast and they're interested in that and interested in working with you and all that. What are, what are some of the things that you offer people uh, that, that clients that want to work with you? Yeah, dude. Uh, so first and foremost, dude, you know, our perfect, like if, if you don't really have your shit together, it's probably not a good fit. Um, you know, our, our perfect person is like that alpha motherfucker that has a business in place and that can operate without him. And your main goal is to grow the brand. Like you have the revenue coming in, you're straight there. If you know that's who you are, that's the per- person that we can help the most, uh, because then we are able to create a dominant brand using the podcast as the one of the main tools of doing that. You know, we got we do a bunch of different shit, like one-on-one consulting. We have a mastermind. We have a done-for-you production service, and we got a ton of digital courses. Really, just dependent on you know where you're at, what your goals are, what you're trying to do. It's all under Underdog Empowerment. That's the company that right. No, underdogempowerment.com. That's the podcast and the, like the personal brand. The so what's action- this company called that where yep. you have training and all that? Yep. Podcastpowertrain.com. Podcastpowertrain.com. All right, cool. And then the digital training platform, is that like on a Kajabi type thing or uh, Lightspeed or? Yeah. So, so we moved from uh, Teachable because it just mm-hmm. wasn't serving us on what we needed. And then we got it on Thinkific now. Thinkific. Okay. That's the other one. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that one. All right, cool, man. So yeah, so if you guys are interested in working with Zachary on your brand, building your brand through the podcast, and you have other flows, and you you just want to use this part to blow up a brand, reach out to them. What's the best way they can contact you, Zach? Yeah, dude, the best place is underdogempowerment.com uh, to get in contact with me. All my social medias are on there. The podcast is all on there. Or if you want to talk directly about the service, you can go to podcastpowertrain.com. And there's plenty of ways to book a call to talk with one of our team members. 
All right. All right. Final question. Final question. What does the rocket fuel law, I, like John Maxwell has laws. The rocket fuel uh, thing for me is a law now, because I know if you implement it the way I talk about, you become unstoppable. It's just a fact. What has that meant to you now in your life and also for your future, man? Dude, I love, I love having a clear sense of my identity because I, I feel like that's where you got to start and then having the reasons why attached to that, obviously, and then just having a clear cut vision and then, you know, having those internal reasons of why you're doing it. But dude, like we were talking about earlier, I love tapping into that external motivation, dude, because it's mm -hmm. like a, it's that extra it's that rocket fuel, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's how you climb to the next level. So I love always taking anything that I can use and take it to my advantage. And that includes, you know, I always lead with the light and lead with love, but I tap into my dark side to do good shit with. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I get pissed off a lot. I get, I get, I feel anxiety. I feel all the emotions that we feel as humans. You know, I'm not trying to hide none of that shit, but I take it. And I like to channel it into doing, you know, that's going to help me take me to the next level. Yeah, that's what it's all about, dude. We All these emotions and energy that we all have, it's all about channeling it and redirecting it in the right direction. And if you're off kilter with that, any of us could be in a situation that you were in in the past, dude. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to get into details, but I've done some dumb shit in my life, man. And I know that if I would have just one little thing went the wrong way, I mean, who knows, man? And, you know, it's just. We might have been cellmates. Dude, you know, cell no. Dude, it's crazy to think about that. So. Yeah. Look, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate your friendship now. I want to develop that further, man. And I hope to see you back on Clubhouse. And if you need anything, just reach out to your boy C-Rock, brother. You got it, man. Thanks for having me, man. This uh, was a blast. Thanks, man. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Come back and find us every week and also become unstoppable. Go get that Rocket Fuel book, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. You can watch these on YouTube at Mike C-Rock, Scirocco, or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike croc.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me